Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Three, oh, two, one, that's it, on, live. We are live, and I'm going to get that thing on. Where did I get that thing where it says who I am? Oh, my God, I'm text on screen. There we go. Text on screen. Beck Simmons, pick yourself up. First in, wave right back at you. Right. Um, let's get this party started. Uh, I have got some questions uh, pre preordained. If you have any questions, feel free to chip in because uh, God knows I haven't got many, but I'm going to drag them out until I get some interaction. If I get some interaction, who knows? Biggest fan, <laughs> Beck Simmons, got to be honest with you, only fan, but never mind. Well, you and Jackie, okay, there's two of you, but you are the biggest, joint biggest fans, and Garcia, you three are you three biggest fans out there. Right, um, I know my um, followers are hungry for uh, facts, fact-based plastic surgery. So let's kick off with this one. Can I realistically change, Kim and family, can I realistically change from being a size 14 to a size 8 slash 10? Oh, here we go. I'll give you the full question. I'm interested in mummy makeover, tummy tuck with breast reshaping. Do I have to do all that? Can you hear me thing? Do I have to do that? I'm assuming someone would comment if I, you can't hear me. So I'm not going to do that because I don't think the pros do that, do they? I think the pros just, just crack on. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Can you hear me? Um, I'm interested in having a mummy makeover. Tummy tuck with breast reshaping. I have quite large breasts and would like them to have a lift, maybe an implant if advised. And I'd like the current size 14 to be a nice size 810. Is this something you can do? Also, I would like to know rough costing around this, along with where you are based. I also do consider having children in the next couple of years. Could I have advice on that too? Whoa. You thought it would be just a size 810 question? It's actually bigger than that, guys. It's bigger than that. We've got to delve deep. We're going deep on this one. Um, right. Quite large breasts. Thinking of having a lift, maybe an implant if advised. Right. I'll, give you, I'll tell you right now, implants not advised. It's just a lift. Just have a lift. Implants are really good at making the breast bigger. I don't advise you to have implants unless your breasts are too small. I understand why some people think that they want to lift because a lift gives sustained fullness in the upper part of the breast, which um, you cannot get with without implants. So if you don't have implants, you tighten the skin when you do a lift and you or, or a reduction rather. Um, is it a lift or a reduction? Anyway, a lift or a reduction, you tighten the skin stays up there and then it settles and uh, it gives a concavity here. So some people want more fullness. So that's why some people would consider implants. But I would personally, it's a personal view. And at the end of the day, it's your body. You can have, you can do, you know, have whatever you want. But personally, I wouldn't have implants just for that fullness up there because obviously they're going to make them bigger. So uh, if you don't want them bigger, I wouldn't have implants, bottom line. So uh, that's point one. Um, point two, I would like the current size 14 to be a nice size 810. So 14, I mean, that that refers to your sort of whole body, doesn't it? Um, so, I, I mean, I don't think the, the, the breast lift is going to do much to that. The tummy tuck, is that going to do much to it? Maybe. If you've got a very large abdominal apron, you might have to be wearing clothes out of proportion with the rest of your body. So it might change your dress size. I'm not sure if it would go from a 14 to an 8 or 10. Um, and it, the, the important thing to realize is what is possible when you're doing this sort of surgery. So when you're doing a tummy tuck, it's possible to get rid of that abdominal apron, that excess skin in the abdomen. It doesn't recontour your whole body. So if you are overweight, you need to lose weight first. I hate to say it because I know you, you I know what you're going to say. I'm paying all this money, you know, you know, just sold my house and I want to, you know, get this new body. That is not what cosmetic surgery is about. It is not about making, you know, dropping dress sizes or changing your body, or at least, you know, globally changing your body. It's about localized areas of problems, addressing localized areas. 
And the tummy tuck is really good at addressing that excess skin that's in your abdomen after you've lost weight. You need to lose weight first because if you're not happy with your weight and you have a tummy tuck and whatever, and then you lose weight afterwards, whilst the tummy tuck was as tight as it can when it was when it happened, if you lose weight after the tummy tuck, you'll get redundant skin in your tummy and, and you'll get a hang and you won't be happy because you'll be like, I paid all this money. Look at me, I've got this, I've got this loose skin here. Well, that's because you lost weight after the tummy tuck. You've got to lose weight first. So it is not a weight loss or a dress reducing size procedure. I hate to say it, really do hate to say it because a lot of people come and say, I want to be, um, you know, how much can you remove type thing? And that's never a good question. I'll tell you that now, it is never a good question. Um, so uh, what was the other bit? I, um, uh, where are you based, Birmingham? Uh, I do also consider having children in the next couple of years. Could I have advice on that? Yeah, the advice on that is have the children first. Don't have surgery uh, is the medical advice on that. You can if you want, but they can affect the size and shape of your breasts and they can affect your tummy. They can stretch the skin again. You can spend thousands of pounds to have your tummy sorted out. And then if you have more children, they can stretch the skin again. So there's no problem with having more children, but I would advise you to wait. And I usually advise you to wait at least six months and then uh, really ideally a year after having children. So if you want to have children in the next couple of years it might be a few years before you be having surgery and you might say i don't want that i want to have surgery sooner in which case fine you can have it sooner but um but it might affect the size and shape of your breasts i'm getting i'm getting um interaction on instagram which is great i'm not getting anything on facebook which is fine it's absolutely fine you don't have to say anything I'm just anxious to know, is it all working all right on Facebook? Because let's face it, I have been known, 212121, I have been known for it to not work. Should I put the microphone there? Is it all working all right on Facebook? Uh, can I please have someone um, uh, do an emoji or something? Um, yep, 212, just testing. Um, is everything... Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Yes. Good. I knew that. I, I said I wouldn't do that. Oh, amateur. Amateur. I said I wouldn't do that. Sorry. Um, good. Let's gloss over that. Um, right. It was working. That's awkward. Um, so that was a good question, actually. Three in one, that was. Kim, how are you doing? How can I tell how big a muscle separation I have, please? Right. A lot of things. Um, so, yes, by the way. Lovely to see you, Chelsea. I hope you're well. Lovely to see you. Um, thank you for the test. It's working, says Kim. That's my comment. Good, Joanne. Yes, good evening. Everything here, good. Um, so, um, a lot of... So, the question is, how can I tell how big a muscle separation I have? A lot of plastic surgery, a huge amount of plastic surgery, maybe all, thinking about it, certainly cosmetic shirt surgery, should we say, is based, is subjective, which means it depends on you. So we're not going to tell you you've got a big problem that needs to be fixed. So saying how do I, how can I know how big my muscle separation is? I'd be like, if you're not, if you don't feel like you've got a big muscle separation, don't go looking for it. It doesn't matter if you haven't got a big muscle separation, fine. You might have a big muscle separation, but if you don't feel like you've got a big muscle separation, then that's okay. You know, don't, don't, uh, so that's my, that's my, that's my gut reaction to that question. Don't go looking for it. Don't look, you know, we would assess it when you come to the clinic, but, um, that's, that's just thinking about what we're going to do in surgery. You don't worry about it. If it's a bother for you, it's a bother for you. If it's not a bother for you, it's not a bother for you. Don't let someone tell you, oh, my God, look at your muscle separation. You've got to get that fixed. If it's not a problem, then don't. But the, broadly speaking, what you what the muscle separation is, is the separation between the rectus and abdominal muscles. Abdominus muscles, the two six-pack muscles. They go straight down your abdomen. I would show you mine, um, but, you know, I've got my vest on. So, um, but the, you, you know the drill, you know the six-pack. They, they, they go straight down. They've got tenderness intersections, which give you the six-pack. So they've got, got lines going across, but they're two straight muscles going up. And the separation goes like Hello. So, so the muscles splay apart. 
And the way you assess how big your muscle separation is, is by tensing those muscles. And the two ways you can tense the muscles is by lying flat on your back and either lifting your head and shoulders up off the bed or keeping both legs straight and do a straight leg raise. So both of those tenses your abdominals, tenses that rectus abdominis muscle. And then if you feel above the belly button, if you feel, sometimes you can see it, a bulge above the belly button, that is the divarification, as we call it. Nice fancy word, divarification of your erecti uh, muscles, plural of rectus being recti. So um, that's how you assess it. You do either a straight leg raise or lift your head and shoulders up off the bed and you will see a bulge there. But I don't suggest you go and do it. Don't go and do it now because then you'll think, oh my God, I have got a divarification of my rectus. I need to have it fixed. If it doesn't bother you, don't worry about it. You don't have to have it fixed. But that's the answer to the question, Kim. Uh, hope that's helpful, but don't go doing it. Right? I'll give you the information, but don't go doing it. Gemma Bundy, what we got? We've got a big one here. I had traditional liposuction almost three weeks ago. How long will it take to start seeing a noticeable difference? And do I need to wear compression on my thighs to get good results? Because my surgeon did not provide compression garments for my thighs. So um, thanks, Gemma. Early post-op, Gemma. Disclaimer. I need a disclaimer. I need a... Can I get a disclaimer to go along the bottom? Let's please comment and share. That doesn't... Anyway, pretend that's a disclaimer. Um, no, it's not. I suppose I do. Um, disclaimer, Gemma, do what your surgeon says, all right? Because people do all sorts of different things. And just because one person does one thing doesn't mean that if you have surgery with another person who doesn't do that thing, it doesn't mean that person's wrong because they're doing it their way. So, you, you know, don't go asking people what you should do three weeks post-op listen to your surgeon he or she is the person who knows best so uh, but i'll just talk in general people uh, in general principles for other people out there who are considering liposuction it is often the way when you first have liposuction you don't think anything's happened like you're saying it's three weeks and nothing's you know can't see it is because you're trading the uh, fat for swelling so you do often get quite a lot of swelling um post-op so it is not unusual to have Three weeks is really early. We normally see people see them at one week, then at six weeks. At six weeks, it hasn't settled really. Um, three months is when it really starts to settle, Gemma. So, you know, six weeks, you might be starting to see a bit of a difference, but really three months is where you're at. You know, six weeks, you're only sort of halfway there. Do I need to wear compression garments on my thighs? Now, um, if your surgeon didn't give you compression garments, then I'm supposing your surgeon didn't think that they would be useful. You can, compression garments or support garments can be helpful. And again, talk to your surgeon and do what he or she says you should do. Sometimes it can be difficult to wear a specific compression garment on your thighs because it has to stop somewhere. I think personally, I like things like cycling shorts. Um, you know, those tight, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, you don't necessarily need that chamois leather that uh, you sit on. But, um, you know, I think cycling shorts are good because uh, some kind of compression can be helpful. But specific compression garments for the thighs, I found, can be problematic. They can be difficult to get on and off. can be difficult in sort of hygiene when you go to the loo, etc. Because uh, you've got a hip there, you've got a joint there moving. So um, it is difficult to get compression because compression has to start and stop somewhere. And often when it starts and stops, if it's not way past the area of the surgery, you can get swelling past where the compression stops. You can get a bulge and the digging in and things. So it's not without its issues. So I can understand why your surgeon hasn't given you compression garments to the thighs, because I think compression garments to the thighs can be problematic in my experience. Um, and I like things like cycling shorts, but that's me, Gemma. What does it matter what I like? Talk to the surgeon, see what they say. Um, but don't worry at three weeks. Three weeks is early doors. Kim is back at me with a follow-up question to the muscle thing. Is J-plasma as good as people are saying? Does it tighten first time or numerous goes, please? Hmm. Are people saying that J-plasma is good? Um, Kim. Don't know what J plasma is. Um, how am I going to blag this? Okay, um, J plasma, right? Um, can you give me a hint, Kim? 
Help me out here, Gold. What's J plasma? Radio frequency, is it? Is it some kind of radio frequency tightening thing? Watching the straws here. Okay, um, I could Google it. Can I Google it live? Will anyone notice if I Google it live? No. Okay, right. Um, I don't know, Kim. I'm sorry. Um, it's it sounds like some kind of non-surgical thing, Kim. And I've got to be honest with you, I'm not really big into the non-surgical world. I'm not a non-surgical guy. I'm a surgical guy, um, so I do surgery. Um, I don't do the non-surgical treatment. So maybe. Here we go. A skin tightening method having that looks like you're having lipo. Right. Okay. Uh, you know what, Kim? I don't know. I did, I, to be honest, I, also, I didn't even know people were saying it's good. That's how out of touch I am with this world. Um, never heard of it. And what I would say is look at the results people are getting. If they're getting good results, it's fantastic. And if they're not, then not so fantastic. Um, if it's some kind of radio frequency, come on then, let's do this. J plasma, what's it? J plasma. Let's Google this. Let's Google it live. Just we can cut out when it comes to the real one. J plasma. Excellent customer service. Um, what is J plasma? A revolutionary subdermal cold plasma energy to into. Okay, body contouring, invasive. That is a standard in conjunction with liposuction. So it's some kind of cold thing, right? Okay, got it. Um, are people saying it's good? Um, yeah, definitely need to talk to people doing it, uh, Kim. I've not heard of it until now. I've just Googled it. It looks like it's a cold thing. They do do cold things. Cold things have been around for a while. The, uh, re the, um, um, the idea is that it kills the fat uh, and, uh, and not the skin. And um, that is the idea. But I don't really want to give a give an opinion on it because I don't do it. So I don't know. I've got neither. I can never, neither confirm nor refute the uh, the suggestion that J plasma is good as people are saying. I don't know, Kim. And uh, you probably noticed I'm not the expert on that, Kim. Breasts, tummies, surgery, I'm your man. But J plasma, here we go. Kim, Kim's out. Kim, Kim's out. I've got a, got a lifeline. I'm going to grab onto it. I was in a group earlier and a woman was asking about nipple reduction. Is this a thing? The actual nipple. Yes. Kim, I can answer that question because that's a surgical thing. Thank you, Kim. Bail me out of the J plasma. Let's forget J plasma, guys. Okay. That never happened. All right. J plasma never happened. Right. Uh, nipple reduction, Kim. Now we're talking. Now we are talking. Um, Gemma, thank you for saying thank you. You're very welcome. Um, yes, nipple reduction is a thing. Got to be a bit careful when you talk about nipple reduction. You've got to be careful what people are talking about. So when you talk about a nipple, the nipple is the bit that sticks out in the middle. And there's the areola, which is the, the pigmented bit around the outside. So it's known as the nipple areola complex, the NAC. So you've got an areola with a nipple in the center. So sometimes when people talk about nipple, they talk about areola. And whatever they're talking about, it can be reduced. The nipple can be reduced. The areola can be reduced. You name it, we can reduce it. So um, uh, the areola reduction is pro not probably is more common than are, uh, than nipple reduction. Sorry, areola, big areola, take a donut of skin, tighten it down, cinch it down. But the actual nipple, as you say, the actual bit that sticks out, yes, it can be reduced. And it is actually the pointy bit exactly. Yes, that can be reduced, Kim. And uh, there are different ways of doing it. But basically, um, what you do is you've got a nipple with a bit that sticks out. You take a wedge out of it, you take a slice of cake out of it, and then fold it down. Have I, have I explained it well with my hand? I'm not sure the hands. No. Yeah? Um, no, that doesn't explain it well at all. Um, so you've got a, a, a hill and you take a you take a slice of cake out of the hill and then uh, tree. You know, like they cut out, they do a tree, they cut a tree down, they take that slice out and then it goes over. So it's a whoop. And then sometimes, and that will just uh, that will just whoop, just make it less projecting. Sometimes it's too wide as well. So as well as taking that slice out, you take a, another diamond out at the top to reduce the diameter. It's amazing, Kim. It's amazing what people have thought about out there. You know, people have devised techniques for all sorts. So you can make it less projecting, and you can also take another um dart out of it it's actually called a mexican hat um 
and you take a dart out of it to narrow the the circumference of the nipple to make it sort of narrower and less projecting it is amazing what they can do these days kim absolutely amazing so yes nipple reduction is definitely a thing local anesthetic um yeah um Seeley. oh here we go oh look at this Seeley j plasma re she's just she's just um copied and pasted this out of, out of google Seeley, come on anyway j plasma ren renu and renuvian um, is that a typo? Or is that what it is? It's a revolutionary, minimally invasive procedure that uses subdermal cold plasma. That's what I saw it myself. Um, cold plasma energy to instantly tighten and rejuvenate everyone on the face and body. A unique alternative to traditional fakeless tummy tucks and body sculpting. The J Plasma Renuvian procedure will shrink and sculpt loose and light skin without large incisions downtime or the complications of cosmetic surgery. Oh, fly me, fly me, Seely. Trying to do me out of a job. Flipping out, I shouldn't have read that out without. Um, there's a lot of this about Seeley, and I don't know if it is um, good or not. If it is good, fantastic. I'll get a J Plasma Renuvian machine. Uh, I'll have some myself. But um, the problem is there's a lot of things out there that have been and talked about doing things in a um, non-surgical way and, you know, tightening skin and what have you. And, um, I think you'll find that surgery is quite a predictable way of doing things and can give quite dramatic results. The problem I find with these things, I don't know, I don't know anything about J plasma renuvian, but um, other things that freeze or heat or give some kind of energy, radio frequency or whatever, um, it's it can be subtle from what I've seen. That's all I can say is can be subtle from what I've seen. So that's why I haven't really embraced it personally. But there may be a place for it. And there's certainly an industry for it. There's certainly a lot of people who pay a lot of money to have this stuff because people don't want surgery. I get it. I wouldn't want surgery if I was a candidate for surgery, which clearly I'm not because, you know, what are you going to do with this? You know, but if I was, I wouldn't want surgery if I could avoid it. So, um, yeah. Well, there you go. Seeley's Google that. Whichever's uh, laughing or crying, not sure what, maybe a bit of both. Yes, Seeley's um, admitting that she did Google it. Yeah. And she has zero idea. Like me. Uh, Kim, back on Instagram. Look at this. Instagram, Facebook. This, this is living the dream. I never knew that could be done. Very interesting. Thank you. There you go. You're very welcome, Kim. There you go. Uh, uh what's next on the agenda next on the agenda is can you do multiple surgeries in one procedure slot guys um lipo for males oh gynecomastia and tummy tuck that's supposed to say by the way um like so lipo for males chest reduction and lift full tummy tuck lift of buttocks if so what hold on steady on would be the price of this and would all these take in case you want operation okay um yes you well yes and no yes and no i mean you can do multiple seizures in one go we're limited at the moment um it's four hours at the moment i said i think i've said three hours before which you know what it depends where you go to be frank um three or four hours it's you're limited basically as to what you can do in one go uh, in, in time scale because of covid but before covid um you could do multiple procedures in one go, but even if you weren't limited because of COVID, you don't have too much done. So what are we looking at here? Chest reduction and lift, yes. So gynecomastia correction and a full tummy tuck, yes, next to each other. Lift of buttocks. Now I don't do lift of buttocks, full disclosure, so I don't do that. But also I would not recommend doing that at the same time as doing the chest and the abdominal procedure because you're going to be on, you're going to be rolled. So I, I so it's it's a lot to do three things in one go, um, so uh, I would be doing tummy tuck and uh, chest lift and reduction. Uh, yes, I I would be doing those things. I wouldn't be doing the lift of buttocks anyway. But if I did do lift of buttocks, I would be doing it at a separate time. I wouldn't do it at the same time as those two because that's quite a long operation. Uh, if it's a if it's chest reduction, if you are doing a skin reduction of the tet chest and a full tummy tuck then uh, that's more than four hours. So we wouldn't be able to do that at the moment. Um, so it's quite a big op. Um, 
Oh yeah, got a big old my friend. But it can can be done, and under normal circs, that could be done uh, pre-COVID, etc. Uh, Colette Jones is in the house. I had a band placed in Belgium over twelve years ago. It no longer works. Just wondering, can you remove an unused gastric band during a band? Sorry, during a tummy tuck, or should I do these operations separately? That's a good question, Colette. Um, we've had some. Not that, that, that I don't want to. Always feel bad saying that, as if something else wasn't good. But um, no. No. Uh, well, put it like this. I wouldn't remove a gastric band. If the um, bariatric surgeon or the surgeon that put the gastric band in will wants to come to theatre to remove the band, you could think about it. But um, you don't really want to be entering the abdominal cavity when you're doing a tummy tuck because you're going to increase your risk of complications in terms of infection. So I would probably say you're better off having the band sorted at a different time either before or after the um, uh, the gastric band is removed. So I think, um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, first of all, I don't think a plastic surgeon will mess with a gastric band anyway. And second of all, I, so you'd need a bariatric surgeon to come and do the surgery at the same time. But personally, I wouldn't like to breach the abdominal cavity because that's a dirty area. Once you do abdominal surgery, if you're going into the abdomen, that's known as dirty surgery um as opposed to most uh, cosmetic surgeries clean surgery we don't breach any cavities uh, as a rule and so um the risk of infection is less so that's where i am on that colette but uh, might might be local variations joanne bray says how soon after having a sleeve can you have an fdl tummy tuck it's not so much having the sleeve joanne it's more about your weight and being stable with your weight and happy with your weight. So I would liaise with your bariatric surgeon. Presumably you have a bariatric surgeon who's done your sleeve and you really need to try and be stable because if you, if your weight fluctuations after the tummy tuck, your tummy will get bigger and smaller. You know, if you put on weight, it'll get bigger. If you get, lose weight, it'll get smaller. The skin can droop again and all sorts can happen and it can be bad it can be like you you know maybe not like you didn't have surgery but it can you know mess up the results of surgery so it might sound a bit harsh making you wait but you really want to have a sustained weight so those with weight spelt two different ways aig the first one and eight the second one so um your eight weight needs to be sustained and stable stable for a period of time so i'd work with your bariatric surgery Minimum, I'd say six months, longer the better um, in order to get, you know, so first of all, you have to get your weight down to that and then be stable for, for six, 12, 18 months, maybe, you know, get yourself in a place where you feel comfortable that you can sustain that weight before having any body contouring because weight fluctuations can mess up the results of surgery and it's expensive surgery, as you may well know. Uh, so... Olivia says, sorry I was late. I was watching the MND show. Okay. What's the MND show? I, maybe, I, um, Olivia, let me know. I'll change the start time to start after the MND show because um, I don't want don't to conflict with the, with the old MND show. Would have been watching it myself. Uh, whatever it is. Don't even know what the MND show is, but it sounds good. Um, can I ask, uh, can I ask as I... As I surgeon, how far does your aftercare go? If a patient had been sent home from a day procedure but had not passed urine for 48 hours, however, had passed black, oily, loose poop, how would you advise? Um, how far would your aftercare go? Well, the aftercare goes forever, Sealy. We never discharge anyone, and there's always um, open access to the clinic at any time uh, for any of our patients. So our aftercare never ends. Um, but this is to, you're talking about an immediate problem. So um, really, as a rule, Celia, I know this is probably not helpful to you, but as a rule, people aren't normally let home until they pass urine. So um, that is an issue. The um, poop uh, area is is you know another thing. But because um, because constipation can be a thing, and I'm not sure what's going on in that area. But the lack of passing urine for 48 hours is 
a significant problem, CV. So that would, I would suggest, require an urgent call to the um, place of procedure. Um, lack of, because urinary retention is a potential complication after surgery. And uh, the first thing I'll be saying, is the patient, is it you or is it someone else? Can I, how far, if a patient, okay. So if it's not, I mean, are they, are they uncomfortable? Because urinary retention is extremely uncomfortable when you can't pass urine um, and may require a catheter. I mean, obviously it depends on what operation they've had and how well hydrated they are. Are they drinking plenty? Are they well hydrated? Um, but it's an issue, Seely. That's a medical um, concern. And I think any place that has done any procedure will extend their aftercare for 48 hours that's for sure um, and in fact you arguably should have made sure you part you or the person had passed urine before they let you go home because not passing urine is a significant complication following surgery so we just got a significant problem here Seely. you need to get on the phone to this person and say you need to phone up the clinic uh, or the, the the number now get come up get it go go and phone them now 48 hours not passing urine, that's uh, an issue that needs delving into with a, with a medical person, doctor or a nurse or something, just to see what's going on. Colette says, thank you. I can't even remember what it was, Colette. Oh, yeah, the 12 years ago, you want to have the vascular memory removed, yeah. Uh, Susie Weller, nice name, Susie, well done you. How much is life on the stomach? Straight in, simple question. Don't know, Susie, no idea. Um... We can give you prices for lipo. I've got to be honest with you. Um, I don't do much lipo on the stomach. It's not. It, it, it's all right for upper abdomen. It's all right for sides. Um, but usually the problem with the stomach is lower abdomen, sort of below the belly button. And I found that the skin doesn't retract very well. Sometimes people with this this stuff like the J plasma reunion or whatever it was called. Um, and you know the cold stuff and the high radio frequency and the and these bits and bobs they say they cause some degree of skin retraction so I always say to people you might want to have a look at them I don't do them but you might want to have a look at them because if they do cause skin retraction happy days that's the problem with liposuction the skin doesn't retract so you're left with wrinkly skin so that's why I don't like liposuction to the stomach it's better on the hips the upper abdomen uh, the male chest these areas where the skin's thicker the outer thighs the skin retracts better but um and how much is it i have no idea i think it's it's not cheap susie it's going to be a few thousand pounds and that's the problem really because it's not cheap and so if you get wrinkly skin and don't get a great result you're going to be cheesed off so therefore that's why i don't i'll do it very often because i don't want people to be cheesed cheesed off so i say look you know what it's not very good on the central abdomen in my hands you know there may be people out there who are good at it but uh, in my hands, the central abdomen is a difficult area to get to the skin to retract. Um, motor neuron disease, Rob Barrow, only on this week. Oh, is that the MND thing? Okay, got it. Got it, Olivia. So we'll just we'll keep the start time then. Selena, hi. Big smiles. Nice teeth. Um, they, they was home. I'll message you later. Hi. I again will inbox you. Yes, yeah, CD, don't inbox me. Inbox the surgeon of who did it. Um, that's the people, because I may not answer your inbox. Only I think if someone's 48 hours not passing urine, you need to contact the, con the, the, the place where they had it done. Contact that facility. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a problem. Uh, Susie Weller, thank you, Susie. Oh, yeah, sorry I wasn't that positive about life in the stomach, but it's just my experience of it. Um, are legs generally symmetrical? I don't think the backs of my legs are. Is this normal after a thigh lift? I suspect I'm unsymmetrical. Everybody's, I think there was asymmetrical, but yeah, we can say unsymmetrical. Everybody is unsymmetrical, Olivia. Yes, everybody is. And I try, I go to great pains, uh, particularly the breast, to point out asymmetries pre-op. Now we try and make things as symmetrical as we can, um, but everything is asymmetrical and you are very much more aware of it after surgery because you're studying them and you think, wait a minute, that's not right. This one's bigger than the other. But actually, if you look before, one's always a bit bigger than the other before anyway. So it's completely normal to have some asymmetry. Kim and family over on Facebook have been patiently waiting. And I'm coming to your question now, Kim and family. What shape should breasts be? Round, 
pair. What's your ideal shape? Breasts, as you're the surgeon and has seen lots. Good question, Kim. That's a good question. I wish I could put that up on Facebook. That is a really good question. Um, Kim, it, you could say what shape should they be or what shape do people want? And what we do is we try and give people what they want. Now, there was a study where they looked at the proportions of an ideal breast and they um, mapped out the ideal proportions have a side view of a breast, nipple in line with the inframammary fold, 45% of the breast above the nipple, 55% of the breast below the nipple, more breast below than a shape that's sort of more of a sort of teardroppy shape of the breast. And you, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need a teardrop implant to achieve that, because often people have got a disproportionately more breasts below the nipple. And if you've got disproportionately more breasts below the nipple, you need to enhance some above and some below, because a teardrop implant might accentuate that defect. But anyway, that, that's, that's answering a different question. So um, that, but the problem is everyone's different. And sometimes people want more fullness up there. Sometimes people want a more rounded look. They want to bump up here, which is going against that. Um, and I that's why I said earlier about doing a lift on people um, and not doing an implants if someone doesn't want to be bigger because it will naturally gravitate to a natural breast shape, concavity in the upper pole, then a sweep to the nipple, and then convexity in the lower pole. So uh, that's a natural breast shape. But some people don't like it. Some people want either flat or even convexity in the upper pole. Um, which you can only achieve with implants, which is a less natural shape. It's not a natural shape, but some people will say, well, I'm paying all this money. I don't want it, don't want it, don't want it too natural. Well, I want it natural, but I don't want it too natural. I don't want it droopy. I'm like, well, what you're calling droopy is what a breast looks like. That is the shape of a breast. You're saying it's droopy. That's a natural breast. Well, I want it a bit further. So that's why you have to have a conversation with patients and side on the profile of implant, take into account the width of their chest, take into account the breast they've got already to try and get the right shape for them because everyone's different. Some people want less fullness, softer look, more natural look. Some people want more fullness, still want to look natural, but a bit fuller, a bit more enhanced. Some people say, look, I want to look fake. I want to have it look full and fake. Um, it's a wonderful world we're in, Kim. It's a wonderful. So it's, it's hard for me to say what they should be. But I just say what can be achieved with implants and try and give people the result they want. Because I show a spectrum of patients in my slideshow uh, when I show patients before and after photos. And everybody in the slideshow that I'm showing is happy with their result. They've let me show them in their slideshow. And some of them are quite soft, quite natural, not very full in the upper pole. And some of them are much more full in the upper pole. And they're all happy. So I've got to try and tune in. Yeah tune in with the patient get on the wavelength what you want that's what it's all about um obsessively studying yeah don't don't olivia don't obsessively start because study because you will see asymmetries jenny adrew good to see you here um what's going on oh here we go Faisan khan i is laser for old scars over three years worth it um again Faisan, full disclosure, I don't do laser. So I may not be the greatest person to talk about laser because I don't do it. But laser is good for red scars. So if the scar's red, then it might be a good thing to try. Now, in my experience, scars usually fade pretty well on their own. So um, three years, I'm suspecting, I might be wrong, I'm suspecting it's faded pretty well. If it's still got some color to it, if it's still a bit red, then yes is the answer. It might be worth it. But if it's lost its color and is either skin colored or a bit lighter than skin colored, which is how they often go after some time, and it's just the fact you don't like the scar, no, it's not worth it, I don't think. I don't think it's going to do anything to the scar. It might, the only thing in my experience that laser can do is make it a bit less red, which they often do, scars often do on their own. Um, but you have to speak to someone who does laser to get a better, more balanced opinion than that. Um, so the main question in when someone says, I want to get rid of scars or I want to uh, improve my scars is what's the problem with the scar? Because you have to sort of identify the problem and then see what 
best treatment is rather than trying to angle the treatment into the problem. Um, that makes sense. Um, so is the pencil challenge true? Are, are you not supposed to be able to hold a pencil under the boob? Um, are you not so? No, I don't know. I don't think it's true. Uh, what is the pencil challenge? Oh, well, I sort of know what it is. I guess you have to hold it. But sometimes patients, especially with a bigger breast, will have a bit of a, a, a droop and a, and a hang there, which can be natural. And I guess you could probably get a pencil there. It's up to you, Kim. It's up to the person. It's up to you. Jenny, lovely to see you too, Jenny. Best surgeon out there. Did you hear that? Can you say that a bit louder? Best surgeon out there, says Jenny. Hey, Drew, sitting right here. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jenny. Nice to see you. Long time no see. Hope you're well. You know, you can come back. You know, you remember I said earlier about the lifetime aftercare. You know, you can come back because I haven't seen you in ages. So if you ever got any problems, well, even if you haven't got problems, get on the blower and say, you know, sort out an appointment. Because I like seeing patients, see how they're getting on. I do. Right, Olivia. Uh, which tier did Birmingham go into, JJ? Have the hospitals reverted to NHS and the private sector again? <laughs> Say it loud, I like it. I like what you've done there. Nice. Screenshot it. Show it to my mum. Right. Um, um, uh, Olivia, I've got to be honest with you. This is going to sound bad now. I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to avoid. This is going to sound bad. We're on live TV. I'm trying to avoid the news, Olivia. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm I, I that I, I think but Birmingham is supposed to be one of the bad places, isn't it? But businesses are still working and I think they're they're targeting the hospitality sector as far as I can see. But I think Birmingham is bad. Um but I'm sorry, I can't tell you what tier I don't not even sure what the tiers are. Olivia, sorry. Have the hospitals reverted to the NHS in the private sector again? No, uh, I think you mean have they reverted to private? They're still doing NHS, basically, Olivia. The hospitals are still doing NHS in the private sector. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but we are starting to operate at place, other places now, which is great. Um, but not in the private hospitals. The private hospitals are still doing NHS work. Uh, Olivia used to be able to hold a pencil there. I don't think that's good, Olivia. I think it's bad to be able to hold a pencil, isn't it? Is that right? You've got to not not hold a pencil anyway. Um, right, quick, get on to the next question, guys. Uh, multiple surgeries, have I done that? Yeah. Do you offer any discounts? Now, I know for a fact I've done this question because I, I made a little clip of it and I put it on YouTube. But anyway, um, I'll answer it again. No, we don't. Two reasons for not operating, offering discounts. Reason one is that uh, I and all the surgeons at the clinic are members of BARPS, which is a plastic surgery association, and we have a code of conduct, and discounts are forbidden. We can't coerce people to have surgery. We can't incentivize surgery. We are not allowed to incentivize surgery. We're not allowed to say, if you come in this week, you'll get a discount, or if you you know, have this done, we'll throw in this free or do that. You know, It's just not allowed, basically. Um, that's the first one. Um, because it is a medical procedure and, it, you know, we shouldn't be in, encouraging people to have a medical procedure. It's either right or not. And the price is what the price is. But also, I've got to be honest, from a business point of view, um, it just makes it easier. You know, because if I did do that and then you heard that someone else got a discount, you think, what? They got a discount. I didn't get it. Oh, well, well, I got it. Oh, I just think I can. I can only imagine. I mean, we never have, so I can only imagine that might happen. I don't know. Maybe that doesn't. Happen. Maybe we should accept it. But anyway, no, we don't. No, sorry, Ginny. I'm all good. Tar got some fab abs going on for your handiwork and hard graft in the gym. Well, that's it, Jenny. I didn't do the abs. You did the abs. I just, you know, revealed what was there. Um, love to ask. It was amazing, but haven't needed it. Would love to see you soon. Yes, Jenny, you can and see me soon and I do like seeing patients and I do have to coerce them to come because I know everyone's busy and you've got a life to lead but um, it'd be nice to see you and see how you're getting on um, what we got here is can Botox oh, you know what I should have googled these questions before um, I've been caught out on the J plasma I didn't see the J plasma coming the J plasma was a live question 
but this was a question which was on the list and I should have googled it but I didn't. Can Botox help with acne scarring? But having said that you guys can google it. You come here on a Tuesday evening for an opinion from a professional. Okay you don't want the google answer you want the professional opinions answer so I'm going to give you that okay. I'm not going to give you the google answer for that. Can Botox help with acne scarring? If anyone is googling out there and gets an answer and they want to post it then that's fine but you know I'm giving you my opinion um well I don't do Botox this sounds this this one I'm sounding like I don't do anything I do do surgery okay I'm surgery I'm all over it I do breast surgery and tummy tucks that's pretty much it actually breast and tummy tucks but but I do that I do definitely do that um, I don't do Botox. Um, I, I can't imagine how it would help with acne scarring. It's always a bit of a worry when they say, um, when someone asks the question, because you kind of think, oh, they've asked the question. Have they read that it does? I mean, Botox is a muscle relaxant. It relaxes the muscles. So it's usually sort of frown lines here, the crow's feet here. So it relaxes muscles and it can relax muscles in sweat glands so it can help with hyperhidrosis you know um, sweating hands you know um, by relaxing the smooth muscles and, and armpits in the in the sweat glands um, but I can't see how it help acne scarring because that's got nothing to do with muscles at all that's to do with skin damage and so I'm going to say no is that the right answer do anyone google it can it help anyway if google says something different Probably Google is right and I'm wrong because I don't do Botox and I don't know. So I'm going to say I, I'm going to say no, but um, sorry about that. Um, right, Jenny said how great everything is. Just to reiterate, Kim, are you going to write another book? I honestly really enjoyed the one you have now about choosing a surgeon. Could you not write about all the different procedures you do? What? Sorry, Kim, what are you talking about? Where's my book gone? You talk about. Sorry, Kim, what book are you talking about? Talk about this book here, Kim. Is it, it, sorry, is that the book you're talking about? Written by this guy, Never Accept a Lift from Strangers. Available in all good bookshops, only it's not, because it's available on Amazon. $12.99 on Amazon, I believe. Um, or free on the website. I will post it to you for three ninety five. I think it is. Or if you're in Birmingham and you're not locked all over the place, um, then you can pick it up from the clinic. Um, but yes, thank you, Kim. I have written another book, Kim. I have written. I have written another book. I have finished the other book, and I've just got a. I'm just proof. Well, I, I, I've sort of finished proofreading it, and I need to get it published. It is called Mind Your Own Business. How to turn your private practice into a business rather than just a job. And it is, um, it's for doctors. It's for doctors because I talk to other doctors about building practices and, and, uh, and stuff like that. So, um, yes, I've written another book. So what are you saying? I should do one about the different procedures you do. Yeah, could do, couldn't I? I have to think of a funny title like Mind Your Own Business, you know. Um, Kim, you wouldn't want it. You wouldn't, it wouldn't be relevant for you. It's about business. About you. About my peak and approach. I've got the peak and approach. Um, but anyway, positioning, excellence, content, automation, nurture. That's my peak and approach. Um, so yeah, but something about the yeah, something about the procedures. Yeah, could do, could do. Day in the life of theatre blues. Theatre blues. Do you get it? That could be a. I shouldn't say that out loud because someone might take that title. Yeah. Because theatre blues is like what you wear, and then could we say all the blues that I've had in theatre? That's not a great one. But anyway, um, hold on a minute. What's going on? Wait a minute, guys. I've turned my back, and Facebook has kicked right off. I'm losing control. I don't know the pencil. Hold on a minute. I used to be able to hold a pencil. I don't know the pencil test has been a while. So if it's the other way around, I could do that. Yeah, I think holding a pencil is bad, Olivia, because it means your breast, you've got skin on skin. And if you can hold a pencil, it's bad. So when you've had a lift, your, 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 um, your breast is up here and the pencil just falls down, which is good. Um, uh, Nikki, 
Botox wouldn't work for acne scars. You need a collagen treatment, I would have thought. There you go, Nikki. I would have thought it didn't work as well. Thank you, Nikki. There you go. Two of us have said they don't think it'll work. Anyone else? Um, Microneedling, maybe. Microneedling. Uh, nice one. That's, let's get as many people to chip in for acne scar treatments. Come on. Come on. Put, chip it in. Let's have a raffle. Um, maybe, Olivia, maybe. I mean, basically, acne scars are sort of like dents in the skin. So um, resurfacing treatments, where you take the top layer of the skin, there's lots of things you can do, like uh, dermabrasion. Uh, oh, here we go, Jenny, fillers. Here we go. In my experience, Jenny, well, I say in my experience, I don't do fillers. So what am I talking about? I haven't got experience. But in my experience of filling scars, so I've done things like fat grafting for breast uh, deformities after breast cancer. When you try and inject uh, a filler into a scar, the filler goes into the uh, path of least resistance. So it goes either side of where you want it to go and can accentuate the defect. So I find it's difficult to uh, push up a scar. You know, they say you can do it by injecting, I've, I've done it with fat, injecting the fat into the scar, but it's more difficult than you think. Um, so yes, you would think that pushing the scar up, something called subcision they do for acne scarrings, where you cut the, the scar tissue to let the scar come up. But then you worry it's going to scar down again. Uh, now Jenny's onto it. Surface scarring peels laser. Now that's that's more like it. So taking the top layer of the skin. If you can imagine you've got a deep crater of an acne scar. If you can take the top layer of skin off, you make that crater less deep. If you can take the whole level of the skin off, yeah. So you can do that with laser. You can do that with chemical peels, acid peels. You can do that with dermabrasion. Um, yeah. So that that. That I reckon would be that's that's more traditional treatment for uh, acne scarring. Um, I'm going to say Angie, or is it Ange? Ang, Ang. I'm going to say Ange. I'm going to say Ange. At five foot seven and BMI twenty nine, would I be considered for tummy tuck? Is weight loss key to best results? I'm post ACL revision, so not moving quite as much. Um, I mean, weight loss is a key. To best results. Now, um, there's two things with the BMI. One is the absolute number, and one is the sort of where it's going. So the absolute number we normally work on is 30. So if your BMI is less than 30, then, you, then that's good. So your BMI is 29, which is good. So you're in, you tick that box. But if you are not happy with your weight, so if you've had a ACR revision and you put on a bit of weight and etc., I wouldn't have a tummy tuck now because I wouldn't say necessary weight loss is a key to a good result, but it certainly will make a good result bad if you put on weight afterwards or if you lose weight afterwards. Maybe not make it bad, but it won't make it as good. So if you lose weight after a tummy tuck, you might have some loose skin that we could have tightened if you lost the weight first. So if you are post-ACL revision and not moving out about as much, I would get your weight right and get your weight stable and where you're happy and comfortable before considering body contouring surgery even though your BMI is pretty good at the fact that it's less than 30. Um, ideally, yes, if you could get it lower, that would be better. Nikki, Olivia, yes, that's good for acne scars, only if done properly. I think that's the counsel. Most things, Nikki, got to do it properly. Any of this stuff, oh my God, if it's not done properly, it's in, you're in trouble. That's the problem with doing stuff to people, Nikki. Doing stuff to people. Gotta to, got to make sure. I mean, even even when done properly, we we'll always try and make things done, do things properly. But hold on a minute, where was that question? Oh my god, I missed that question. And that was that was the first question. I missed it. Well done. Here we go. Do you do breast lift with fat transfer? Isn't that what you just said? Can you? Oh no, you said can you fat transfer fat into breast? So. Um, can you transfer fat into the breast? Yes, simple answer. And it is not as developed as you might think, because it sounds good, doesn't it? Taking some fat from your bum and injecting it into your breast or your tummy or something like that. It's not as well, it's subtle, the results of fat transfer to the breast. And really, it's not good in terms of breast lift, because in terms of breast lift, uh, the breasts have got too much skin. That's the why people need a lift because the breasts have been stretched. Usually by age, gravity. We know we're on this earth. The longer we're on this earth, we're acting on by gravity. So everything stretches and droops over time, and it's accelerated by 
having children and putting on and losing weight because both of those things stretch the skin even more. And so you've got too much skin. So you need to tighten the skin. And there's two ways you tighten the skin. You either cut it out, which is a breast lift, or you fill it. If you're going to fill it, you need to fill it with quite a good volume. And you, so you can't really do that with fat transfer. Fat transfer is small volumes, subtle results. So um, it, it really needs a lift. Uh, or if you want to be a lot bigger, you could consider implants, although they wouldn't lift your nipples. Your nipples would still sit low. So you'd have to be, accept the compromise of shape. The shape wouldn't be quite as good if you tried to fill it with implants as it would be if you did a lift. Um, because if you try and do a breast lift with, or try and use fat transfer to, to give fullness in the upper part of the breast, it'll just settle. It's natural tissue. It'll settle and worked on by gravity, just like any tissue would. So that is a, um, so yeah, so fat transfer is for volume, but it's subtle and it's small volume. And I still believe that implants are the best, most predictable way to enhance the volume of the breasts. Fat transfer doesn't predictably enhance the volume of the breasts, uh, in my view. Uh, it's quite subtle and it's good for asymmetries, small areas, problems with implants, rippling, wrinkling, things like that. It can, it's good to inject over the, over the top or asymmetries and things. So thanks for that, Ange. Uh, hydrofacial, good. Thank you, Nikki. Hydrofacial. Ange is, as I, I think well, that was one of my options, Ange. Um, it's nine months PO for results on a thigh lift. A long time to see the final results. Oh, sorry, is nine months PO. Presumably that's post-op. Is nine months post-op for results on a thigh lift. A long time to see the final results. Is nine months post-op for results on a thigh lift. A long time. It is, isn't it, Olivia? Is that a question? Yes, it is a long time. But it can be 9, 12, 16, 18. You know, it can be a lot of months. Olivia, I'm sorry if I've misread that. But yeah, you can take a while to see final results. Ange says, thank you. Thank you, Ange, for your question. Uh, we've done the Botox one. Full disclosure on the last question. You heard me, guys, on the last question. This is about to end, but don't worry. It's all going to start again next week at 7 o'clock. Okay, the party will be starting again next week at 7 o'clock. So be thinking of those questions right now. But for now, let's dive into the last question. I would like to know what determines how low you can go with the incision for a tummy tuck, as I've seen some that are super low, almost in the leg crease, just skimming the top of the pubic hair. Public hair, it says, actually. I think it means pubic hair. Public hair. And others that are halfway between there and the belly button, where your natural pooch would sit. And I don't like that. Um, no, I don't like that either. Thank you very much. Uh, and this is one of the paradoxes of tummy tuck. Uh, the paradoxes of tummy tuck is that the bigger you are, the more you've stretched your skin, the more children you've had, the easier it is to get the scar low because the skin laxity is there. And if you've only just had one child and you've just got a little paunch and you haven't got a huge amount of spare skin, it can be more difficult to get the scar low and the scar is more likely to ride up high. Now, we always aim to get the scar low skirting along the top of the pubic hair. What did you say something about the leg? Try not to go into the leg, but yeah, just skirting along the top of the pubic hair um, is where we aim to get the scar always. But it can be a bit higher if your skin is very tight. You know, if you've got, if you're a better quality skin and you haven't really um, stretched it much. So that's the paradox of tummy tuck. If you've stretched it a lot and you've had, you know, you can stretch the skin really well, you can pull it down and keep it down. Um, I wouldn't say halfway between the belly button and the and the and the, the the pubic hair. That would be really high. But yes, it can ride up, and it can be due to how much variation you've, uh, how much laxity you've got um, in your skin. So the paradox is the more lax it is, the easier it is to get low. But we always aim to get it low down in that pubic hair, down in the in the groin, in the um, in your underwear, hidden in your underwear. Olivia, is flying at eight weeks post-op likely to cause tons more swelling on legs? I'm going to Greece for five days. I wouldn't advise it, Olivia, mainly for DVT more than swelling, but it will involve swelling because you're naturally going to be dependent in terms of your legs and feet are going to be on the ground. You need to elevate your legs, ideally above the level of your hip. Um, so I think, yeah, I wouldn't advise it if you couldn't, if you could avoid it, uh, if, because you need to keep mobile and keep your legs elevated to avoid swelling. 
So, um, yeah. But again, that's the mantra. So, without further ado, I'm going to sign out of here. Instagram's giving up the ghost because uh, it's been an hour. I only get an hour on Instagram. Um, good engagement today, people. Well done. Well done, you guys. Well done, Instagram. Sorry that you're not here. Um, next. So, um, if you've got any questions, get on the phone or get on the, you know, Facebook or the Instagram. Thank you, Olivia. Um, and ask away because I, for one, will be here at seven o'clock next week to do more of the same. And uh, I suggest you do likewise. So until then, have a great week. Fingers crossed on all this tears and all that stuff with the with the um, coronavirus. And um, I will see you Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.